everybody. Welcome to Busy Living Sober. Today is episode 299. Oh my gosh. I can't, I still, I say this every time. I can't believe I'm almost at 300 episodes, but here we are at 299. And today we are sponsored by Soberlink. As we all know, addiction is a serious issue that needs to be addressed. Nearly 15 million people in the U.S. have alcohol use disorder, and that's just alcohol. Only 10% of those people can get treatment those people get treatment. And um, this can be attributed to the stigma that surrounds addiction, just like Busy Living Sober. Soberlink also wants to change the stigma. Their remote alcohol monitoring tools help over 500,000 people to be more accountable in their sobriety. Their voluntary system, their voluntary system encourages connection and honesty, which helps to rebuild trust and maintain sobriety. I've teamed up with Soberlink to create the resource guides tips for keeping busy living sober for those in recovery. Visit www.soberlink.com slash BLS for busy living sober and download the research guide. And if you or anyone you know can benefit from accountability for alcohol recovery, you'll also find a form on that page to sign up for a $50 off promo code. $50 off your first device. So here we are at episode 299. And I came to um, my topic this morning. I was writing and um, I was writing, um, actually I was writing some resentments and um, I have um, just some past stuff that when, I'm, when I was younger, about my childhood and parents stuff. And I was writing and all of a sudden it came to me that um, I was writing and I wrote down like who I was resentful for, why I was resentful and then what it, how it affected me. And so what I realized, it's the first time I've ever done it like this. I, you know, I just, I did it a totally different way than I've done it before. I've done these, you know, they call it a step four and I've written out step fours before in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, they call it a step four and um, it's like an inventory. And so what I was wrote about was that um, in the end, the reason why I was resentful and what it affected in me is that it made me, I was resentful of what I wish things were, right? Does anybody get that? Like they wish things were different and we compare our lives to what other people are doing. At least I do. Um, I compare myself to what others are doing and I like, it's a barometer, right? Like where do I stand with everybody else? If they're here, where am I? Am I up? Am I above them or below them? God forbid we're in the middle. But having that sense of really looking at why I even have these resentments, why I'm angry, why I'm angry with other people, why I get a, a bug in my crawl or whatever they say, a bird in my crawl. Why do I get like that? Why? And what can I do to change it is what I want to do. And I want to feel better, right? I want to feel better. And um, so when I write, I can... I have the opportunity to look at what my part is, why I feel the way I feel. So feeling like 
I wanted to have. So who doesn't want to have the cleavers? Now, for those of you that are young enough who don't know who the cleaver is, Beaver Cleaver, um, the Beef was a show that was on. It was on a long time ago, but I used that because that was like our. It was a wholesome family. The mom was at home, the dad worked, and the kids came home. And mom was baking cookies, and life was all perfect. And they had the white picket fence, and you wanted to be just like them. And you're like, why can't I be like them? And I think in today's world, we watch like, for instance, the Kardashians. And I was actually talking to someone yesterday and this I don't really like this one that much, but I did talk to her and she was saying to me, she goes, I don't even know how we know, how I know who the Kardashians are. And I'm like, how you know who the Kardashians are is that their mother marketed them to death. And, um, and people saw them and they were pretty and they were doing things that people were like, oh my gosh, it was like watching a train wreck on, at times. And you saw them and they were pretty and they were skinny and they have a lot of stuff, a lot of swag, a lot of material stuff. And we think, oh my gosh, they're so happy. I want to be like them. I wish I were like a Kardashian. I feel like for kids today, it's even more. I feel very grateful that my kids are just that, just miss that just by a little bit. But that wishing that you look like them, wishing that you could get plastic surgery like them, wishing you could have 5 million bags and 5 million rolls, racks of clothing and houses in the Beverly Hills and cars amongst cars amongst cars. And you could have all this stuff and it would be amazing. And that would make everything okay, right? If I have all that, I wish I had all that. If I had all that, everything would be amazing. But I don't think it ever is amazing, right? I don't think anybody is ever perfectly amazing. And I bring up the Kardashians because I do sometimes partake in watching that show because let's face it, at the end of the day, who doesn't watch like to watch, you know, whatever, mindless television. I think it's pathetic. I listened to, I, I listened to another podcaster and he was just talking about it. He was like, when, since when do we care what everybody else in the world is doing? It's so sick. And, um, but we do. And the one thing that I have to say that I've realized recently is that, you know, their life isn't perfect either. Right. I'm sure that, um, Courtney Kardashian wishes that Scott had gotten sober. I'm sure that, um, Kim Kardashian wishes that Kanye wasn't a little crazy. I think, um, Chloe probably wishes that Tristan didn't hook up with other women when she was involved with him. Um, so we all wish things, right? We all wish things were different. And if they were different, we're like, well, then it would be perfect. But would it be? Would it be perfect if they were exactly what we wanted them to be? Or on the reverse side, what if what we wish for wasn't what we needed what it wasn't what we needed at all and I'm going to call him God because that's who I call him God said you know what this is a better way for your path to go and I know it's not as comfortable as it would be if it was what you wish would have happened but you're going to learn more by going down this avenue and um I think that's it. I think we're supposed to learn differences. And I think life is about learning and it's about sharing and it's about getting better and it's about being more authentic and being there for our fellow people and saying, you know what, that was not comfortable. 
right? It was not comfortable. Growing up the way I, I grew up in some ways was not comfortable, right? Um, I wished and wished and wished things were different. I wish my mom was different. I wish my dad were different. I wish my siblings were different. And if they were exactly the way that I wanted, it wouldn't that be wonderful? But God had a different plan. It wasn't supposed to be like that. And when I look at because of the things that I wish my parents were, and I'm going to give something very bland and basic with this one. Um, um, I got to think of one that's not going to throw anybody under the bus because um, I never want to hurt anybody is one of my big things. But let's just say um, I wish my parents weren't as social as they were. I wish they'd stayed home and played parcheesy with me. Okay. I wish they hadn't gone to parties all the time and put their parties and their friends above me. I wish they would have stayed home more. Okay. That's pretty that's pretty benign, right? Um, and it's funny because when I got married and with my first husband and we, and I had my kids, I went out all the time. I went to parties all the time I, with my kids nursery school. I was like, we had parties, like we were still in college. I mean, it was like drink, 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 drink. And, um, I did the same thing my parents had done which is totally normal, right? You saw what your parents did. So you're going to do the same exact thing. So I would go and I'd go and have parties at my house. And I did stuff that I'm not going to admit on my podcast that I did, um, that I was, wasn't great. And, um, in the end, you know, when I got sober, I, I, obviously stopped going to parties all the time. And I stopped doing the things that I was doing while I was drinking and I was home more. And I, it's funny because my youngest always says, to me, he said, actually said this to me the other day. He's like, mom, she realized I was like grounded my entire high school career. And, um, I said, it was more painful for me than it was for you because I had to stay home with him all the time. Right. Cause I wanted to make sure he wasn't going to get out. And, um, I was there. So I think because I experienced what it was like to not have parents that were really hanging out, watching what I was doing. And I experienced being that person that wasn't paying attention to what my kids were doing. And then I got sober and I actually was present. I became more present in my kid's life. And, um, I can, st I still made mistakes by the way, even though I was sober, um, I made mistakes and they will point, they, my kids could probably point them out to you because they hold grudges towards me, as I've mentioned. And, um, of course, um, you know, nothing was perfect. It's interesting. I, somebody just sent me a meme, a good dear, dear friend of mine sent me a meme and I'm going to screw it up. But, um, it pretty much, it was saying, you know, for, you're, you are an amazing parent from the ages of like a baby to like 13. And then from like 13 for the next, like 37, maybe for seven to 35 years, or maybe even longer, you're not the greatest parent anymore, right? You've done all these bad things. You're a horrible person. You grounded me. You didn't do everything I wanted you to do. You made me do my homework. You made me go to church. You made me eat greens. You made me do what you wanted me to do. And the reality is true. I did all those things. So now they don't like me and that's okay. That's okay. Wait till they have their own kids. I hope that this bites them in their ass. And I remember my mom saying that to me and now I totally appreciate it, right? I get the fact that we want our kids to have experience what we experienced with um, them not liking us. I mean, my kids used to tell me all the time, you're the worst mom. You're the worst mom in the world. And I'd look at them and be like, if I'm the worst mom in the world, that's a huge accomplishment wow, the worst mom in the world, because there's a lot of moms out there and I'm the worst one. And I kind of glommed onto that, which they also did not like. 
they did not like that at all because they didn't get to manipulate me. It's, um, we're living in such a crazy, crazy time. I have to tell you, I started I'm going back to meetings now in person all the time and there's not as many people. And of course I'm in this place that I hadn't gone to meetings prior to COVID. So we're like, oh, where are all the people? And they'd be like, we've gone to rooms. And they're like, you don't understand this room used to be, you know, there was only standing room only. And I'm like, where did all those alcoholics go? I guess they're still doing Zoom. I pray they are. I pray they haven't picked up a drink. Um, but when we go to wishing, 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 and wishing things were different and wishing I was a different, you know, I was a different person, wishing I was a, had come from a different family, wishing that I was a different sex, wishing I was, you know, I grew horns. I wishing that I could meow like a cat. Um, I, I, it's kind of funny. We, we all wish for other things than what we have. And, you know, I believe that there was such thing as divine intervention and God did have a plan. And I understand it feels uncomfortable at times to be going through that being in our own skin. It feels uncomfortable, right? It feels uncomfortable. Um, I watched a documentary that just talked about what it was like to be uncomfortable and the uncomfort we have. And then we don't want anybody to be uncomfortable anymore. Right. I never, I will never forget that I was on a plane once and I was flying across the country and we were late. We were delayed. Something had happened. I don't know if it was baggage, if it was a mechanical error, if it was something with luggage, whatever it was, but we were, um, we were late and people were getting all up in arms. They're like, oh my gosh, we're late, we're late, we're late, we're late, we're late, and screaming, yelling that we're late. And the gentleman sitting next to me turned to me and he goes, isn't it ironic that people are so upset that we're going to be late? But the fact is we are flying across the country. Um, how many miles is that? I'm going to say 3,000 miles, 4,000 miles. I don't know. It's a very, very, very long way. I can tell you that to drive from my house in Northern Florida to drive to um, Sedona, Arizona is one day. So 24 hours plus another seven hours. So that's what, that's 31 hours. Is that right? I think it's that 31 hours to get there. And we're flying across the, the, the we are cr flying from one coast to the other coast in five hours. And if you've got the jet winds going with you, you're even going faster. So and in a silver tube and we were like faster faster we're mad at you because you're late and it's just like wait a minute no it's, it's just gonna be minutes late not like days late but we get all upset and um it's so funny how us as americans have become so uncomfortable with being uncomfortable that we're angry we're all angry so many people are angry i watched this other thing on tv yesterday and they were going out and interviewing people why they're so mad and they're just like i get being mad I get it. I get that we're mad about gas prices and we're get mad that I, by the way, I just heard chicken's going to go up 20% because all these chicken farms burnt down or something. There was something going on with some, the birds were sick. There's going to be egg prices are going to go up by 20%, just craziness. And, um, I can understand why we are uncomfortable, but rather than being uncomfortable, how can we look at it to make it better? Yes, our government is doing whatever it's doing. We do what we can. We vote, right? What else can we do? We aren't going to burn stuff on. I'm not going to go really go pick it anymore at this age. I used to do that when I was younger, but I'm not doing that today. So what am I going to do to make it better for myself? Well, I'm going to tell you a couple of things that I've done. I um, actually, I planted some seeds, which cost like $1.29, I think at Lowe's. And I bought seeds for to make, um, to get zucchini plants. So it's warm out pretty much everywhere in the country. And um, I actually had these 
old um, things that I got plants in and I put some dirt in there and I put the seeds in there and I just watered them, put them in the sun and just watered them, watered them. And now I've got these plants that are making, they're going to make zucchini. So I'm going to have a ton of zucchini and I did cucumbers and I did tomatoes and it wasn't that hard. And you can do it in a pot, by the way, you could do one zucchini plant in a pot if you had a deck and it could would just go crazy, but you could do that one, one, one plant. You could do one tomato plant in your, on your patio if you had to, or maybe even two, if you have pots. But um, I, instead of being like, I'm being upset about the fact that all these, I'm like, well, I'm going to definitely have these vegetables. So I'm not going to have to be freaking out about the vegetables. I've got the vegetables. I know a lot of people buy chickens now and they have their own eggs, like in their backyard. Right. I don't think they're killing their chickens to eat though, but I think they are. But if you do, I get it. If you want to do that. Um, and cows and that sort of thing, whatever it is that you have. But, you know, instead of wishing things away, why don't we change the way we're viewing things and make it better for ourselves? Like that's our job. We have these brains that we can change things. I know it seems like we don't use our brains as much because I can tell you when we get on these social media apps and we get lost for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And we've just watched all these people's lives that we wish ours was different. It's no wonder people are so mentally ill right now. Nobody can (laughs) watching these stupid little screens and comparing their lives to people they don't know. And if you're not in a good frame of mind, do not go on social media. If you are in a bad frame of mind, stay away from social media. That is the last place in the world you should be going. Um, you, um, because it's, it's, when they develop these things like Facebook and Twitter and um, Instagram, and I guess TikTok, I don't do TikTok, but TikTok, and I would imagine Snapchat and all these things, you know, they did have a reason to do it. And there is a reason behind all this madness. And it is addictive. It's just like cigarettes. Like they made cigarettes so that they could make money, right? They made cigarettes so they could make money. They made alcohol so they could make money. They made, um, they make drugs so they can make money. Um, we, they charge us more for drugs here in the United States where we make them than they do in Mexico and any other country, which is kind of insane that we pay all this money for all these drugs, but it's even though they're made here and they should be cheaper, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, one plus one does not equal two a lot of times, but um, they did make social media addictive. It's on purpose, right? It, it was done for a reason. It's addictive. That's why with our kids today, thank God I don't have to monitor my kids because that would just be one more thing I'd have to monitor. But monitoring our kids is huge for this stuff. I think it's monkey see, monkey do. You, um, you know, you go to the land of misfit toys, you become a misfit toy. Um, water seeks water. People seem to tend to be around people that they like, that they're attracted to, that have something that they have and they want it, or the person has what they want and that's who you hang out with. So it's really making sure that you, um, you've got great morals, you know, and that's something that isn't taught anymore. It's like just what's good, what's right and what's wrong. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that I was mad, you know, there was one of those things that I, kids get mad that you made them go to church. But the reality is I'm glad my parents made me go to church because it gave me as much as I hated it. I kicked and screamed. I didn't, I didn't want to put the outfit on. I didn't want to do any of that stuff, but it instilled in me by osmosis, just by going this sense of what was right and what was wrong. Right. Um, even though it was damning and it was shameful, but it was, it, you knew right from wrong, right? There were the 10 commandments. You knew that if you broke them, you might go to, and that didn't sound good to go to hell. So you were like, I'm not going to do that. 
Um, as we get older, we tempt those things more often than we did when we were young, but we can get back to that. I mean, getting sober, it's, um, you know, I made bad choices when I was drinking and um, I've said that many times and I did things that I am not um, proud of. Um, I, I am, I, I don't want to say I'm ashamed of them anymore because again, that shame is also wishing, right? I wish things were different. So I wish it was different. So now I have shame. Oh my God, it did this instead of what the... And um, it's such a catch-22, right? Which came first, the wishing or the shame? Hmm. The non-being not being comfortable came first or wishing? It's all secular, right? It all goes round and round. So where do you find that place that instead of being negative about something, you can look at it in a positive light? How do you do that? Well, first for me, I've got to identify it. So I have to write this stuff down. I have to write down the stuff that I really don't want to tell any other human being that I've done, but I write it down on a piece of paper. Luckily for me, I do have somebody in my life that I can, I actually have a couple of people in my life that I can talk to and I can, um, that can hear me and um, they don't judge me. They listen, they get it and it's gone. It's kind of crazy. When we have something that's inside of us that's festering, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't sleeping and I got up and I wrote again there. It's really cathartic in a lot of ways, because if, especially if you write something that you feel like is just overwhelming you and you take it out of your head and you put it in your hand and you write it on a piece of paper for one, for me, it isn't normally there anymore. Now it might come back the next day. It might come back a couple of hours later, but for a moment, at least it's gone, right? I'm not like sitting here pining and pining and pining. I, I learned to let it go, right? Because I talk about it. I write it out. And then I go back and I read it. And doing this other section that I did that how it affected me, like I understand the resentment. So I'm mad at da 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 da, da for this. And I'm just, again, I'm going to do this with, um, I'm going to use an example of drinking. Okay. So you're, um, it's the summer. Um, it's graduation time, right? It's Father's Day's coming up. Um, people are having barbecues and you wish that you could go to the party and have drinks like everybody else, right? You want, you're going to a barbecue or you're really nervous about going to this barbecue or going to a dinner party or going to a cocktail party or going to a graduation party, whatever it is, you're like worried about it. You're like, I don't drink anymore. I have made a decision that me and alcohol don't get along. I, we need to break up and I don't care what age you are. You can be 63, you can be 16, you can be 36, you can be whatever age you are. It doesn't, it's never too late to get sober um, and put it down and realize you and alcohol don't get along. But so you've, you've decided that you don't get along. You and alcohol are not working anymore. You decide you need to get sober. You've got a problem with it. You don't want to do it anymore. I know a lot of people hate that word alcoholic, but you're an, you've realized you're an alcoholic. It's not such a bad word, by the way. But anyway, so I realize I'm an alcoholic and you're going to this, this party's coming up and you're like, I wish I could drink like normal people. Okay, so you write that down. I wish I could drink like normal people. And then how it affects you. So um, I would go into something and say, well, I wish I could drink like normal people, but I did drink for from 13 to 37, which is what, 14 years? I think that was it. Was that 14, 13? No, it's not, 24 years, um, whatever, 24 years, I think. 
is that right? I'm, I'm not good at math. But anyway, I drank for new two decades like a rock star. Um, I drank a lot of drinks. I drank a lot, a lot. I, I drank enough that it took me to this place where I had to give it up, right? So I drank enough to give it to the place. So what do I wish for? Do I wish that I could go do that stuff, which I didn't like myself about? Or am I kind of grateful for the fact that I had those years, those decades of drinking? I learned that I didn't like me when I was drinking. I didn't like the way I acted. I didn't like the way I behaved. I didn't like the way that I was with my friends. I didn't like the way I was with my kids. I didn't like the way I felt the next morning. Again, I can go on ad nauseum here, but I could look at it like I had those 20 years, 30 years, 40 years of drinking. I know how it's going to end. So do I wish that I were like that again? No. I'm really glad I had those years, but now this is new. This is exciting. I get to show up at this party in the best way that I can be. I have no excuses to um, why I'm slurring, why I did this, why I'm not paying attention to my kids, why my husband hates me, why that, I mean, I could go on again, ad nauseum. So I'm gonna go to this party and I'm not gonna drink and I'm gonna bring what I like to drink because I'm not gonna assume that anyone is gonna have what I wanna drink. So let's face it, people who like to drink a lot, to, they'll bring their vodka that they like, right? They're gonna bring their wine that they like. They're gonna bring it in their little roadie container you're going to bring what you like to drink. Now me, that's Pellegrino. I drink, bring Pellegrino wherever I go. I go to the grocery store. I buy Pellegrino every time I go to the grocery store. My husband's like, why do we have so much Pellegrino? I'm like, I don't want to run out. It's like, I didn't want to run out of wine. I'm not going to run out of Pellegrino. And he drinks LaCroix. I have cases and cases of LaCroix in the garage because I don't want to run out of LaCroix. You're not going to run out of beer. And when you have a party, right? So what is that thing? So you're going to go to this party. You're not going to wish anything away. You're not going to wish you were drinking. You're going to be like, mm, God, I'm so grateful that is me. You're going to be able to be helpful to the hostess or host of the party. You're going to be able to be laughing and listen to stories. And when it gets to the place where people are starting to repeat the same story that you've already heard 800 times, you're going to go, that's my cue. I gotta go. The babysitter's calling. You know, you don't have kids. Or, oh my gosh, I've got to get home because I have to get up early tomorrow. So whatever your excuses to leave, that gives you. So why are you gonna wish it away? You're not gonna wish it away. You're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I feel like a million bucks next morning. And you're not gonna be making those phone calls going, what did I do? Who did I hurt? What did I say? Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed about what I did. Isn't that the best? Isn't that the best? So when teaching our kids, don't you wish that something was different? You don't want to wish anything away. You don't. You know, there's this old thing that people used to say to me all the time. If you threw all of your problems into a big pot in the middle of a party, let's say you're at a big party. Let's say there's 40 people there, 20 couples, um, and everybody throws their problems in. Nine out of 10 times you're going to take your problems 
over you take somebody else's. I promise you that. You're not going to want somebody else's. You're going to be like, oh, no, I want my life. I like my life, actually. Now that I'm looking at it, I don't want to wish mine away. I like mine. And don't wish away your kids being older, because I can tell you from where I'm sitting, it's kind of hard when they get older and they don't, you know, you can't really have no control whatsoever over them when they're adults. So don't wish that away either. Um, And if you are an adult and you have grown children, you know, don't regret the past. You know, I just told my son recently, you know, the one that's not talking to me, I said, you know, I did the best I could do. And don't wish me to be what you want me to be. I am who I am. And I wouldn't want somebody to wish me to be different, right? I am me. And I did the best job I could do. And I think we all do. I think we all wake up in the morning wanting to be the best us. We don't want to wake up in the morning being a miserable curmudgeon ogre. No, we want to wake up in the morning feeling good, being happy, being satisfied. And if you're not there today, start writing about it. I'm not kidding. Start writing about it. I swear it will make a difference. Take a piece of lined paper. I take uh, this. This doesn't have what I'm talking on about because I'm, I don't have it up here, but it's like, if you take a line piece of paper and now, if you're watching me on YouTube, you can see this, but it, or on my website, but if you're listening to the podcast, so I have a piece of legal pad and on the top, I write, I'm resentful of here. And then I write the cause in the middle. So why I'm resentful and then how it affects me in the next one. And you're going to write it out and it's not going to be perfect. And it doesn't matter if it's perfect and you're not going to stay in the lines and it might run over and you might have to go to the next page. It's totally okay. There's no president of this, by the way, this is how you do it to make you feel better. There's no person inside of this sky that's watching over you, telling you that you did it right or you did it wrong. So you're doing this for you. So take the time, write it out. And look at how it affects you. And I promise you, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is just a momentary thing that I'm feeling this way. We cannot react over momentary things. Everything will pass. This too shall pass. Your bad mood will pass. Your, the way that you feel will pass. You will not stay like this forever, but it's going to take some work sometimes. And especially when you're newly sober, you got to get to work. And I just tell you, it's almost, you know, I'm coming once away from, you know, having a big anniversary. And I'm like, I still have this stuff. Obviously it's never goes away because we're all human. Be human, take care of you. Do what makes, because it makes you better as a person. Because at the end of the day, we come into this world alone and we leave alone, right? And if we don't like ourselves, who's going to? If we don't respect ourselves, who's going to? We need to learn to respect ourselves and love ourselves. So that means taking the time to do this work. Now, if you have any questions about this, you can always reach out to me at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busylivingsober.com. That's B-U-S-Y. And then you can also reach me at Elizabeth at elizabethchance.com, whichever you remember, they all go to the same email place. So um, remember that you are not alone, that we, I've been there. I get it. Um, We're not doing this by ourselves. We all have people out there that um, are your wing people. Find your wing person. If you need me to be a wing person, you can always reach out to me. I will always email you back. I promise you, I email everybody back. And um, just know that wishing things away, no, don't wish your life away anymore, especially if you're newly sober, be really happy. 
And um, if you even have one day, one hour of sobriety, that's a huge, 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 huge gift. So be proud of yourself and keep working off that and um, doing something for you. Take care of you. Make sure that you are taking care of you and then everybody else underneath you will be getting better too. I promise it might take time, but it will happen. So that's it for me today. Um, happy June 8th. And I hope everybody has a great day and a great week. And I'll be back next week. And if anybody has any topics they'd like me to talk about, please let me know. And um, remember to keep getting busy living sober. Okay. Until next time. Take care, everybody. Next week, it's, oh my gosh, it's episode 300. Wow. So um, we're not there yet though, right? We're still at 299. So until next time, keep getting busy, living sober. Take care, everybody. Sending love to you all. If you like my stuff, please subscribe to my channels. I'd love it. It's awesome. And share it with your friend. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.